look at uh, Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 through 7 was last time I, I was up here. And then so we'll look at verses 8 through 13. I entitled it, You Shall Go Out in Joy. But I realized that's the, that's what I entitled the third point. So right now it's you shall go out in joy and then it might change to something else when it goes up on the web. <laughs> you shall go out in joy. Isaiah 55 verses 8 through 13. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorns shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can gather together here to worship you. We thank you that nothing can stop the word of God from going into the hearts of your people and bearing fruit. We thank you that nothing can hinder the, the church of Jesus Christ from growing the kingdom of God, from overcoming all obstacles in the world. And we pray that what, what happens here this hour would be a part of that promise that you work in the hearts of your people through your word and uh, bring us closer to you and help us to uh, be in a place where we can follow the will of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we looked at the first half of this chapter a few weeks ago and uh, you remember from verses one through seven, it was, you know, we saw an invitation from the Lord. It was an invitation from the Lord to his people to come to him, come to him for forgiveness, to receive the benefits of the, the works of the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. We talked about that, how this, this comes after that famous Isaiah 53 passage where the suffering servant, Jesus Christ, will, will come into redemptive history be pierced for our iniquities. And so it's an invitation. After Jesus does that, now we can receive the benefits of what Jesus does on the cross on our behalf. So come, receive the forgiveness that God has to offer you. And then, so, you know, we talked about that, and then we kind of left it there, even though there are these, these really famous verses from Isaiah. We didn't talk about it, but we'll look at it today, and then we'll see how the rest of this passage fits into that, you know, those first seven verses and 
and and then these verses now that we'll study will give us a fuller picture of what God is doing in this redemption theme. Okay? Come, come, because of Jesus Christ, I forgive. I want to forgive you, and He wants to give us life. And then now, like, what is, you know, what is beneath that promise? how God is at work, and, and the, a fuller picture will come into view as we look at these verses. Okay, so first, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Again, verse 8 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, okay, which is like infinity, I guess, right? As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Um, you know, these are familiar verses, and I, I've, I always read these verses and understood these verses in isolation apart from the context of this chapter. Whenever we come across something in our lives that we don't understand, something mysterious that doesn't make sense to us, right? We quote these verses, right? Like, who can understand the mind of God? His ways are higher than our ways. And of course, that's true. But we rarely uh, read, read these verses in its context. The context is the Lord saying, come to me, right? It's an invitation, come to me. Let the wicked forsake his ways, Come to me, for I will abundantly bless, he says. And at the center of that invitation is a promise that we have in Jesus Christ. It's because of the suffering servant that sinners can have salvation. Jesus was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. And because of that, come to me. I will forgive you. Now, in that context, we read these verses. And in that context, when the Lord says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are higher than your ways, it's talking about God's salvation plan. The story of redemption in the Bible is a, is a thing that is foreign to man. We cannot fathom or even just begin to fathom that God would send his only son to die in place of sinners on the cross to deliver them from the wrath of God. That's, that's something that God designed. That's something that God accomplished. No man would have even imagined a salvation plan like that. Because God is so different. He's so unique. And that's what the holiness of God means, right? God is like no other. He is wholly other. And what he did in the gospel story is so different from what man would have done. Because his ways, as high as the heavens are above the earth, his ways are above our ways. His way works. The gospel plan through Jesus Christ at the center, his plan works. Whatever we try to understand of God, whatever we try to design up, to even alter the salvation plan of God, right, through, you know, my works and things that I try to do to um, achieve approval or salvation doesn't work because his ways are higher, are higher than our ways. 
Um, you know, I was thinking that this is something that is really good to keep in mind in today's climate. But there's so much that we hear today concerning the topics of things like racism, police brutality, privilege, distribution of power, and, and, and so on. And, um, and you realize, right, there's so much disagreement around these topics today because there are so many people with um, different thoughts but with conviction about their views. And, 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 and we see that happening today in our culture, and that's happening not only in the world among unbelievers, but that's also happening even in the church among Christians. And um, I've been really trying to read and learn and try to understand these things, the topics that you know, society's dealing with today. And uh, I'm not you know, anywhere close to being able to share those things right now, I've been realizing a lot of things, like, like, but, but there's not able to share because there's so much I don't understand, okay. so much that I've yet to understand. But at this point, what I've come to realize, I've come to realize that there are a lot of people who, who think they know when they really don't know. Okay. And that's why we have like so many disagreements in the first place. Uh, it's because the issues are so complicated, uh, but a lot of people have strong convictions from, from different sides. Uh, on a complicated issue, presenting a one-sided argument. And that's, that, and that's a lot of things, like people saying things. It's, just, it's, it's presenting with strong convictions, strong opinions, one side of the argument, even though it's a very complicated issue. So, you know, I, I was thinking about this, and then I can illustrate what's going on today with this illustration. When, um, when missions organizations deal with the question of, like, how do we serve those in developing countries? They have to wrestle with conflicting issues when trying to help those in developing countries. So, you know, um, on one side, some missionaries might say the people are so, so poor and in need, right? So, so missionaries should help them and alleviate their poverty. Like you have, you know, you come from a situation where like you can raise money, or you, can, you can help them, you can provide for them and alleviate their poverty. But then on the other side, some people will say, but if missionaries do that and give them money, then they'll become dependent on the missionaries. And when they become dependent, they won't rise up themselves. But then they'll come, some people will come back and say, but, but we can't ignore their physical need. We can't just let them go hungry. And then the other side will say, but then we can't cause dependency because in the long run, that's actually not, not helping them. It's more harmful for them. And that's just an example of looking at a issue, an issue from two different angles. And, and, and both have valid points. And I just use that as an example because like those kinds of difficult conversations are taking place these days in society. But again, some people just argue one side very strongly. 
right? You have money, you have money, and they're in need, they're, and you can help them, so why aren't you helping them? You're so selfish. And the fact that you're not helping them is so wrong. Some people shout that angle. And other people shout, don't give them money. You're training them to to just think like victims. To do that is is so wrong. So there's a lot of people doing those kinds of things with issues that are going on today. And and again, it's not just the people on the outside in the world, but it's like Christians, right? Like we read some stuff and... (laughs) And this is what we do. Like, we read some stuff. We have very limited knowledge. We read some stuff. And then we pick a side that seems right to us. And then, like, we, and then we don't just keep it to ourselves. Like, and then we post it. We repost it, right, on social media and things like that with our own strong opinions about these things. And because Christians are doing this, it becomes divisive in the church. The church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be united in the gospel. But the church is becoming divided on social issues that the world is arguing about. And we throw around, like we're so quick to throw around ideas. With our limited knowledge, we're throwing around ideas. God is like this, right? Right? That's a common thing, right? God is just. God is like this. So the church should do this. But, the, but, the, but the God is also like this. So the church shouldn't do that. The church should, should do this. And to that, like I see this verse that says, for as, the, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. Right? So in light of that, like what do we really know about what God is like? Like what do we really know about who God is and the character of God. Some, but not as much as we we think. You know, when uh, when we lived uh, in a Roseville house, we lived next door to this family that owned the, owned the German Shepherd. And, uh, that breed is a very protective breed. They'll bark a lot just because they're being protective, right, of their house and their family, things like that. So whenever I went to that side of my house, this dog would bark at me really loud. And every time, like, you know, I, I go to that, dog's barking at me, I'm like, what? This is my house. Why are you barking at me? And uh, I'm standing there on our yard, and, and, uh, but it feels, it's because this dog feels like I'm a threat to his family. And I think that's a lot of what's going on today in the conversations that we see. Many people just bark at the people on the other side of the fence. We identify someone who does not think like us, and we bark to silence them. And that's the thing, when you bark, you don't learn. 
You don't grow to have a fuller understanding because you're not hearing them out. You're trying to shut them down, barking at them. Um, let, me, let me just add this. Just says uh, from, uh, from uh, just to kind of like add this <laughs> to this, this thought, just so that you can be aware. As a, as a member of a church, just so that you can be aware. I think these days, pastor is in a tough situation. I think these days, pastors are in a tough situation because as these conversations are taking pl- place, pastors are also being pressured to pick a side on social issues today. Okay. Um, and uh, it's a difficult situation to be in because you can't really make pe- everyone happy because people are on different sides. Oh, the pastor didn't talk about this. And uh, some people will bark about that. He didn't talk about it. I expected him to talk about it. He didn't talk about it, so they'll bark about it. The pastor does talk about it. He did talk about it, but he said some things that I disagree with. And from the other side, like, they bark about that. And I just mentioned that to say I would just like to ask that our church not do that. Because again, the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be united together uh, in the gospel. So rather than, instead of having an attitude of, I know, I know, this is how it should be. This is what Christians should do. Instead of saying, I know. Let's try to have uh, a, a more open attitude that says, I actually don't. I actually don't know. And what I think I know is really just partial knowledge because God's thoughts are are much higher than my thoughts. And only God's thoughts are complete and true. Only God's thoughts are complete and true. And and we can can see that and and know that confidently in complicated issues where even Christians are in in conflict. It's because the issues are... complicated, and we can't oversimplify it thinking my thoughts are correct. Only God's thoughts are complete and true, and his ways are often above my ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Secondly, it shall not return to me empty. It shall not return to me empty. Verse 10 For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose. It shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Rain and snow come down from heaven. And just even that imagery coming down from heaven uh, gives us the imagery of waters being sent by God. And uh, I think this is correct, if I remember correctly from what I learned in earth science when I was in ninth grade. Um, Precipitation and evaporation is part of the water cycle. 
<laughs> that was a long time ago, so I, I, I think that's what, what I learned, right? The rain comes down from above, and the water drains, sewage system, whatever. The water drains into rivers, and then eventually the oceans. <laughs> Very oversimplifying, right? And then it goes back up. Evaporation, cloud formation, whatever. Okay? But before it returns back up, right, before that cycle returns back up, the rain waters the earth and produces crops that puts food on the table. So rain and snow are designed by God to provide and sustain life on earth. That is the purpose for which God sent it to earth. And what these verses are telling us is that now there is a spiritual equivalent to that physical reality. Verse 11 says, so shall my word. So shall my word. The word of God goes out from the mouth of God and before the, the outcome of the word of God, before it returns to God in heaven, it accomplishes God's purposes. The word gets planted in people's hearts. The word waters people's hearts. And it will succeed in doing what God wills. So, so part of, like putting all these verses together, a part of God's thoughts being infinitely higher than our thoughts, a part of that is that God's redemption plan gets accomplished through his word. So this is important for us to remember because the first part of this chapter, remember, it was saying, come to me, listen diligent to me, right? Listen to the word of God, hear, right? hear that your soul may live. Like those, those words are in the, the first part of this, this chapter. Hear the word of God, listen to the word of God. So, so God was calling, inviting his people to hear the word of God and repent to receive the forgiveness of sins. But now here, he says, the word of God that you're supposed to hear will actually accomplish this. The very thing that he's calling his people to do, it says the Lord himself will accomplish through his word. Uh, have you ever had a, like a lab partner who promised to do all the work, but then they didn't do it, so you had to do it? Or, or like you work with someone at work someone on your team who, who don't end up, like they don't hold up their part of the work, so you end up having to do it. It's kind of like that, except it's the opposite. It's the opposite with God. He says, you do it, and in the end, he ends up doing it. And that is why we can always work hard to do the things that he's calling us to do. Hearing the word of God, trying to be in the word, trying to do my quiet time, trying to apply it into my life, trying to um, live in obedience to God's word. All of those efforts that I make, I can do that because in the end we have the assurance that he will accomplish what he's calling us to do. His word is living and active. The word of God is alive and at work. And the word of God will succeed in the thing for which God sent it. 
Now, but along with that, another thing that we need to keep in mind is that the rain comes down from heaven, waters the earth, but that does not necessarily mean that every single flower or plant or tree will bear fruit and live, right? And in the same way, this, of course, does not mean that every single person in the world will be saved through the hearing of the message of the gospel. But it does mean, but it does mean that the gospel will succeed in delivering all the redeemed. Out of every nation and tongue, the gospel will go forth and, re, and, and out of every nation and tongue, even those who live in the most remote places in the earth, the word of God will succeed. Out of every generation, regardless of which kings are in power, it will not matter what, what kings and governments try to do to oppose the gospel. No earthly power will, will be able to stop the gospel message from winning to the Lord all the redeemed people of God. It shall not return to me empty. And so we can, we can claim that promise. Even as you struggle trying to be in the word of God, what good is this going to do? And it seems like the progress is, is so slow, if any. But the assurance that God gives us is that he will accomplish the purpose of the word of God. So that means, like, Monday morning, I open my Bible, I read a verse. God has an intention for that verse entering my mind and my heart. And somehow through that seed, God will do his work in our hearts. Thirdly, lastly, you shall go out in joy. Verse 12, for you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. So this chapter ends with joy and peace. Now, like that's pretty remarkable if you, if you consider the fact that this right now is a difficult time in Israel's history. It was during Isaiah's prophetic ministry that the northern kingdom went into exile, and that's because they were so stubborn in, in, in their rebellion against God. And because of that, they were in a terrible situation spiritually. God sent them into exile. So God's people are in a difficult situation. That's what happened in the northern kingdom. And then not only that, but exile was also brewing for the southern kingdom. The people that Isaiah is preaching to. Again, because of their persistence and disobedience to God. So there's rebellion, disobedience, and as a consequence, suffering. That's what the people of God are going through. And in that situation, God speaks and promises joy and peace. The story is promised to have a happy ending. So, so we have to remember this because there might be many points in the story of God's people 
or even the story of our own lives, right? Because my life is just like a, like if you look at a microscope, uh, into a microscope of the, the greater things that God is doing among God's people, I'm there. Many points in the, in the lives of God's people where there might be sufferings and dismay that we're going through, and that could be because of the sins of God's people, or it could be because of the evil, whatever, forces or things around us. But that's the assurance that we have here, that no matter what the situation is now, at the end of this, at the end of this redemptive arc, the story for God's people will end in joy and peace. It says the mountains will sing and the trees will applaud. Even all creation will rejoice at the outcome of God's redemption story. That's what God accomplished through the climax of Jesus on the cross. And so the outcome is sure. It's a happy ending filled with joy and peace. And this figurative image continues in verse 13. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of something small and, and harmful will come up something beautiful and strong. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make the name Make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Thorn will become the cypress tree. Briar will turn to the myrtle tree. This applies to us individually. All the different thorns in our own hearts will be transformed. All the, the whatever the, whatever's going on in your family will become beautiful myrtle tree. If Christ is at the center, we trust in Jesus Christ for our salvation. We have the assurance of the benefits of Christ's redemptive work on the cross. It applies to us individually and applies to the church of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God will not be overcome by the kingdom of this world, no matter what the circumstances might say or the situation might look like, no matter what movements might be taking place, no matter who is in authority or what forces are in power. In the end, the glory of the name of Jesus Christ will be magnified. And that's the assurance that we have in this redemptive arc of the Bible. I think I shared with you a while ago the story of my first ever eyeglasses that I ever got. It was while I was in seminary. And, um, uh, you know, in seminary, I was like, I was in class, in seminary class. I could not see the screen. And uh, if you can't see the screen, you can't learn. If I can't learn, how can I be a pastor? It was a, you know, bad situation. But God had a solution for me. One day, um, Kim Jipsanim, who I shared about before, gave me $200. We're like at the, uh, I was a youth pastor. We were at our youth group retreat. Okay? And she was there at the end of our youth retreat. She, you know, takes me aside, gives me $200 okay, to pay for the glasses. And uh, 
And then she also arranged for this optometry person to do the eye exam for me at a very discounted price. So I got my first pair of glasses. It's like this big. And uh, I remember when that happen happened, giving me money, I felt like I was really t just, you know, taking care of me. In that moment, I felt like God was telling me that as he's calling me into ministry to do his work, that he'll provide for me. He'll take care of my needs. This week, I put my glasses, these glasses, I put it aside like I normally do to play basketball in the driveway, the boys. And then one of the boys somehow caused my glasses, which I put away to keep it safe, caused my glasses to drop from the chair. And then the basketball bounced on top of the glasses in the exact same moment that the glasses fell, causing the lens, both sides, to scratch on the concrete, making the glasses really, like, unusable. Right now, like, there's this, there are huge scratches right here. So it's like, it's directly in the line of sight. It's blurry. I don't know if you can, you probably can't see, but, like, I can't see you either. So what do I do? I just scratched up. I can't use this anymore. So I messaged the person who helped me get these glasses four years ago. He still lives in town. He used to work at Lens Crafters. I go, hey, uh, I haven't talked to you in a few years, but my glasses broke. Do you still have any connections there? He said, he goes, I still work at Lens Crafters sometimes. And he goes, I'd be happy to help. Come in anytime. So I quickly got an, uh, an eye exam because they're four years old. Prescription expired. Took my updated prescription, which now I need, actually need some, something a little stronger down here. Met him there at the store. He helped me pick out these stylish glasses, which you'll see probably in about 10 days. And uh, I didn't realize, but like getting glasses these days is kind of like buying a car. Like there are so many different options that you can put into it. You know, that you can do like anti reflective, like anti-distortion, like make it like extra thin, all this kind of stuff. So like he put in all the options giving me like the luxury trim glasses. Use his employee discount. <laughs> and he paid for my glasses. And even after like his, his big discount, like it still wasn't cheap. Um, and I was uh, kind of thinking about that. Because, uh, you know, these days I've been kind of uh, feeling maybe kind of like extra burden these days about ministry because um, I feel like the Church of Jesus Christ right now is in a really um, delicate place in the Western world. And, uh, and I'm confused, uh, disoriented. I feel disoriented. And uh, a lot of times I uh, feel burdened, wondering, how can I pastor at a time like this so the church is not swept up uh, by the world? And uh, even through this 
know, kind of like this small incident of like getting my glasses. I felt like God was taking, taking me back to that retreat, that, to that moment about 27 years ago. I felt like, again, God was assuring me, saying, I'll take care of you. I'll provide for you. For everything that you need, just be faithful. Be faithful and feed my sheep. God says, my word will accomplish that which I purpose. That applies to the church of Jesus Christ. That applies to your own heart and your own life. My word will accomplish that which I purpose. It will succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And because the Lord will accomplish it, the assurance is that there will be joy and peace at the end for those who trust in and hope in the name of Jesus Christ. And again, who can think of a mysterious yet marvelous plan like that? It's the Lord to whom in the end will receive all the glory. Let's, let's be strengthened in that promise no matter what we're going through in our lives, no matter what we're burdened by, let's continue to seek to obey the Lord because we have the assurances that he is at work. Let's pray together. The biblical, the big narrative of the Bible, the overarching story of the Bible says that God created all things, made things good, sin entered the world and disobeyed God. And as a consequence, there's suffering. As a consequence, there's confusion, there's chaos, there's all kinds of disorder where there's unrighteousness. And that's what we experience many days, many periods of days, even in, um, you know, in, in, in throughout history, different generations, different cultures, there's chaos and confusion. And uh, the story of the Bible continues in that God has provided redemption by sending Jesus to die for sins. The only solution that we find is in the cross of Jesus Christ. We will not find that solution in the world. Man, no matter how smart man is, cannot figure it out. Redemption comes through Jesus Christ and God is at work now to restore his fallen creation so that there will be joy and peace. Let's live in that gospel narrative. Let's hope in the gospel message, which is the only hope for this world. Let's not be divisive in the church of Jesus Christ but let's be united together in the message of the gospel that saves. Let's pray for a moment and then we'll sing a song together. Let's pray together. If we'll just take a, a brief few seconds and pray for our retreat. It's uh, coming up, it's coming weekend. Let's pray that God would do an amazing thing through his word accomplish his purposes in our hearts and in our church. So let's just pray for that for a few seconds and then we'll close.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you that we can sit under the Word of God and listen. And um, uh, you know the circumstances of our lives, the different struggles that we're going through. Lot of circumstances where it seems like it's just dark and there's no uh, end of the tunnel at all. Uh, and, uh, we thank you for the assurance of the entire redemptive arc that because of Jesus Christ, as we hope in Him, that whatever we're going through will result in joy and peace. There will be rejoicing and singing, and ultimately. Christ will be lifted up. His name will be glorified through everything that we go through as we cling on to hope and the assurances that he provides. Um, pray that no matter what individually people are going through, what church is going through, what the church of Jesus Christ is going through, um, that in your According to your promises, like your word would accomplish and it would save souls. It would bring redeemed, the redeemed to yourself. And uh, we trust and pray that nothing will hinder that. And, uh, help us to hope in that. Just be with us throughout this week. Help us to prepare in prayer for the retreat. Pray that you would do an amazing thing and uh, really draw us closer to you so that we can become the, the redeemed people of God that you intend for us to be. Thank you, Lord. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, this incredible unchanging love of the Father God, the fellowship and the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you, God's people, both now and forever. Amen.